This morning, I want to ask you to do something. Uh, I want you to get out your prayer covenant card. Uh, if you did not receive one of these, they're all over our, our uh, sanctuary as you leave. Uh, you can pick up one of these. We are asking the Lord to give us the names of people that He wants us to be praying for and believing that He will lead them to the opportunity to receive Him as Savior and Lord. This started when we started asking the Lord, Lord, give us your eyes. When Jesus saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion on them. And so we've been praying, Lord, give us eyes to where we look at people and we, we, we just... Sometimes we just don't see folks. It's like they were invisible. Help us to see folks, Lord, and to see them as people in need of your love, in need of your grace, in need of the gospel. And when we see folks like that, we ask you, Lord, to move us deep within our being, to move us with compassion towards them, so that we might see and feel like you do, Lord. And then as we do that, as we become aware of those around us who do not know the Lord, as He is moving in our hearts about that, we are obviously, we're moved to prayer. We're moved to say, Lord, we long for them to come to a saving knowledge of You as Savior and as Lord. And so last week we started this process of putting down some names on our prayer covenant list. We're going to pray over these today. We're going to pray over these every time we gather. I'm not asking you to give them to me. This is private and personal to you, but rather you bring them with you every week. And collectively, we're going to pray over these names that God would do this. He would draw them to himself. That he would then open up opportunities and avenues, hopefully for us, but if not us, someone to come to them and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's really what our message is about today, the sharing of the gospel. I want you to know something based on all of Scripture, but especially here with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that God is in sovereign control. He is planning this out. He's not only moving in my life and yours that we might see with eyes that then have a heart of compassion, that not only would we begin to pray, but we would begin to look for opportunities that we can share the gospel. And God is going to be working in our hearts, and he's going to be working in the hearts of those we're praying for. He is good to keep his word. Did you know that? That God will keep his word. And he is going to be moving in the hearts of those that he leads us to pray for. He wants to see more and more men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And his method for doing that is us. It's not just the preachers. It's not just the deacons and the Sunday school teachers. It's us as simple believers in Jesus Christ. The man in this story that we're focusing on, his name is Philip. Philip was just a godly man. He was a man that just loved the Lord and he fell in love with Jesus Christ and he was saved. And he had a servant heart. And so the church called him to help in the service of all of the, the, the widows and those that were in need in the congregation. He was a man that loved the Lord, but he was one that God knew he could trust. And so we want to see the leadership of God 
in this man's life. First of all, God leads Philip to a certain place. That's in your notes. God leads Philip to a certain place. And that was an unusual place, to be sure. As we read this passage, it says that God says, I want you to rise and go down to the road from Jerusalem that goes down towards Gaza. Now let's pause a minute. Where was Philip? Philip was in the midst of a huge, huge revival. He was in the midst of where people were coming to faith in Jesus left and right. You see, at this point in the book of Acts, we've seen times when the word is preached and hundreds and thousands of people respond and come to faith in Christ. And Philip was right in the middle of this. He was engaged where he was seeing people by the dozens and hundreds come to faith in Christ all along. He was involved in a very important work. But then the angel of the Lord appears to him. God appears to him and says, I want you to leave this very lucrative and wonderful field that you're ministering on, and I want you to go down to a lonely dirt road that's going out into the desert. Now, see, the setting is important. You need to know what it is God was calling him to do. But there's a reason. Philip doesn't know why. Now, here's one of the reasons that I know Philip was probably not a Baptist. If he was a Baptist, he'd say, well, now, why do you want me to go down there, Lord? What are you going to do? How is that better than being right where I am? But he was Bapticostal, okay? <laughs> and he dared to believe that wherever God leads you, he has a purpose. Listen, wherever you are, you are there with a purpose. You are there because you are led by God to be there. If it's the neighborhood that you live in in retirement, or the job that you are at, or the school that you are in, wherever you are, you are divinely placed. Divinely placed. God knows who's going to cross paths with you. And he says, can I trust you? to obey and go where I've placed you, to where I can use you for my glory. Understand that. He led Philip to a certain place. Philip didn't know altogether why. How many of us have asked from time to time, God, why do you have me where I am right now? I mean, some of you have asked me that. I know. That question is there. There's a purpose. God has a purpose to right where you are in your life. Whether you're here in our sanctuary, whether you're at home, and maybe you haven't been able to get out in months and months and months, you're there for a purpose. God knows where you are, and God has a plan to use you right where you are. So he went to a certain place. Second thing, God led Philip to a certain man. He led Philip to a certain person. Now this is also... It's so important for us to grasp. God is involved in every spiritual conversation you have. Whether or not it results in someone being saved, that's, that's not the point. The point is you're being obedient to have these Christ conversations, gospel conversations with people. Holy Spirit's in charge of winning people to the Lord, not you. We're responsible to share the gospel and to share our story which is what this is about this Sunday and next Sunday. Let's look a little bit about this man, this, this 
Ethiopian eunuch. Who, who was this fellow? Well, I don't know if you've ever met anyone from Ethiopia, but they're a little darker tan than most of us in this room, okay? I've had several dear friends from, from Ethiopia. Uh, they are extremely dark, <laughs> very, very, very dark. And so he was up in Jerusalem, but he was not just any Ethiopian. He was the head of the treasury for the entire country. He worked straight under the Queen Candace. Let me explain something to you about in Ethiopia. The king was a figurehead, okay? The queen ran the show, all right? I heard that, amen. I knew it was coming from somewhere. I just didn't know where, all right? <laughs> so he ran the treasury for the queen of Ethiopia. He was a very, very important fellow. Not only was he very important, he was highly educated. He could read his native language. Now, see, not a lot of people could read during that time, okay? But he could also read the ancient Hebrew language. Highly, highly educated man. Well, what in the world is he doing here in Jerusalem? He was what the Jerusalems would call, uh, I mean, the, the Jews would call a proselyte. He was a Gentile who was very interested in knowing about the Jewish faith and maybe had already embraced the Jewish faith. We don't know, but he was very interested. And he came all the way to Jerusalem to worship. Now, that's not a big deal for you, you know, several hours, you know, one day's ride in your car and you're there. This was a five-month journey through the desert, okay? So he had to take now on to a year off of service under Candace to do this. This was no small thing. And so he, he had this five-month journey that he'd come to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem, there was good news and bad news. The good news was he was able to go to where the temple stood. The bad news was he wasn't allowed inside. It wasn't because he was, he was black. I mean, there was a problem there, but he could have still come into the court of the Gentiles. The problem was he was a eunuch. His body had been mutilated for the particular service that he was required to do. And because of the ancient Old Testament laws, he was not allowed into the temple. And so he couldn't come into the court of the Gentiles. He couldn't hear the cantor singing. He couldn't hear all of this stuff going on. He traveled five months, but he wasn't able to get inside. But somehow what he was able to do was to procure a copy of the Isaiah scroll. Now this again shows that he was very important and very wealthy. These things are copied by hand, meticulously, and they were extremely expensive. He couldn't go into worship in the temple, but he somehow procured an Isaiah scroll. And they're, they're pretty, about that big around. They're, they're, they're large. And so this is who he was. He was a Gentile. He was of another race. Uh, he was a eunuch. Uh, because of that, he was, he, all of these reasons, this is what discounted him, okay? Uh, from another country, could be a spy, who knows? But he was a man. Seeking God. Seeking answers. 
the organized church of the day didn't really let him in. But he had a copy of part of the Word of God. I want to tell you, my friend, even the tiniest fragment of the Word of God has power. And we see that so wonderfully here. So we see that, that God led Philip to a certain place. God led him to a certain man. He said, had him there on the desert road. He was standing there watching people going back and forth. Okay, God, now what am I going to do? And so Holy Spirit moved within him and said, see that chariot coming right here? See that man? I want you to run because you've got to run. And I want you to attach yourself to this trailer. Run right along beside that chariot. Come on, you're ready now. Go. The timing was incredible. The timing was incredible. Here comes a chariot. Here comes Philip. He has to run this way in order to intersect just at the right moment. <laughs> and when he got there, the unit was reading out loud from Isaiah 53. If you've ever had opportunity to share the gospel with a Jewish person, that's where you want to go. There's no better Old Testament passage beloved by Jews, but misunderstood by Jews, than Isaiah 53, that tells about the suffering servant, that, tell, that foreshadows, that is prophesying the Lord Jesus Christ. So this eunuch was reading prophecy about Jesus. And so what does Philip do? He says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I unless somebody explains this to me? Is he, is he talking about somebody else or is he talking about himself? See, he didn't know. He knew the language. He had the word. But what he didn't have was Holy Spirit abiding within him yet. He wasn't able to interpret the word of God yet. That's where the witness comes in. That's where you and I come in. We get to interpret what God's Word says to the heart of lost men and women to where they can understand and then can respond in faith. That was Philip's role. And so what does the Scripture say? Beginning at that very point in Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus to him. What did he do? He started with this. He said, let me tell you who this man is is that's being talked about here. He was none other than the Son of God Himself, born of a Virgin Mary, led a sinless life. Just in a few days ago, He was crucified to take my sins and yours upon Himself. And He rose three days later, of which I was witness to this. And He's alive now that He might give the life of God to anybody who would receive it. This is what God called Him to do. So he led Philip to a certain place, and he led Philip to a certain man. Listen, God is leading you to men and women, boys and girls he wants you to be praying for. Asking God to open up an avenue for you or someone else to share the gospel in their lives. You see why this thing is so important? If we're seeing as Christ sees, if we're feeling <clears throat> as he feels, if we're praying and longing for those people he's put on our heart to be saved, that moves heaven and earth, my friends. So we're going to be praying over these names and again in just a few moments, but if you don't have one of these cards, get one before you leave. Or write the names down in your Bible, but have them with you every time you come here because we're going to be praying for each and every one of them. So the third point is this. 
Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. He shares with him two vital things that you and I need to have so prepared at all times. There are two things that you need to never leave home without. I know what you're thinking about. It's your wallet and your cell phone. But no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Please don't leave home without your wallet or cell phone. But that's, this is what I'm talking about. Never leave home without an understanding of the gospel and an understanding of your story and how you can share your story of how you came to faith in Christ and the gospel saved your eternal soul. Never leave home without these two well-prepared. These two bullets in your gun, they go with you wherever you go. And as you're prepared, God's out there preparing people to receive what you have to share. He simply told him the very basic message of the gospel. What is that? If I ask you right now, if I were to go around and just, just, and just stop somewhere with my finger moving back and forth, tell me what the gospel is. Could you tell me what the gospel is? Could you share with me the basic elements of the gospel? This is so important. And I don't say that to, to offend you. I don't say that to shame you. I say that to say this is what God is calling us to be prepared to do. This is what God is calling us to be prepared to do. And so we need to know. So let me just remind you, what are the basics? What are the basics of the gospel that the Lord wants us to always be prepared to share at a moment's notice, okay? You can jot these down, and I'm going to show you where to find them, but I want you to just, just understand this. I like to begin with one of the most beloved passages anywhere in the Bible, and that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, and everybody in it, not just terra firma, everybody on the planet, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jot down John 3.16. It's easy to put it to memory. You probably already have it to memory. Jot that scripture down. I'm going to show you something you can do with it in just a few moments. That's God's plan and God's desire. But man has a problem. Man's problem is that we've sinned. Jot down Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. The scripture says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that little three word all there in the Greek, you want to know what it means? It means all. Everybody. E-V-E-R-B-O-D-Y. Everybody. It means all. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to sin? Sin is that attitude that abides naturally within our hearts that says, I want what I want and I don't care. And I'm going to have what I want. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what you say. I don't care what Mama says. All of us have that attitude. That is by nature our attitude. Now, the results of that are sins, the things that we do to express that attitude. But we have all sinned, and because we have said in essence in our heart to God, I know, or maybe I don't know, but I want what I want, and I'm going to do it. The Bible says that sin has separated us from God. Romans 6, 23, 
tells us that the wages, the results, what we get for our sin, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that without Jesus Christ, if I'm left to my own devices, I find myself wallowing in my own sin, and the results of that is I'm going to spend eternity separated from God and all that's good and right. But the verse goes on to say, the wages of sin is death, but... Ooh, I like that little three-letter word. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Refer right back to John 3.16 here. What, what, what happened? What, what, what made that possible? I like to, to go to Romans 5.8 right here. Where it says, God commended, he demonstrated his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jot that verse down. That's an important, pivotal verse there. And if you and I come to accept that in the depths of our heart, in a transforming way, then I'd like to go to 1 Peter 3.18 which says, for Christ suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being laid alive in the Spirit. A person who prays simply, God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I dare to believe that you died to take my sins upon yourself. And you, you rose again that I could have eternal life. Come into my heart. Cleanse me and forgive me. I want you to be the boss, the king, the ruler of my life. I give myself to you. The Bible says the moment somebody does that, something eternal happens in heaven. That person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life in the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing can take it away. And from that time forth, that person is going to grow in Christ. They're going to start as a newborn baby, but they're going to grow just like Jesus did in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's, that's part of what the role of the church is. You see, we're, we're, we're the ones who cast out the gospel. We're the ones who reap the harvest. And we're the ones then who disciple those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what I like to do. Turn in your Bible, if you've, if you've got one of these in your hand. Uh, turn your Bible to John 3.16 for a moment. Just turn there, and I want you to show you another number that maybe you're not aware of because you don't, you don't worry about this that much. Got John 3.16 in your Bible? Look up either at the top of the page or the bottom of the page, and you're going to see a page number. You see that page number? Okay. Over in the front of your Bible, where you've got a blank page, write, go to page 940. Yeah, just write it down right there. Or what, if yours is not page 940, don't write down 940. Okay. <laughs> write down the number of where John 3.16 is. Now, I, I'm, I, I'm not being facetious. When you have one of these opportunities, you may not remember this right away, okay? So write down that page number, okay? Now, 
Keep your, your, pay, your finger right there on page 940, or pardon me, John 3.16, and then go over to Romans 3.23. Now you're getting the idea of what I'm doing, aren't you? Okay. You get over there to Romans 3.23, and for me that's page 1001. So up here on the top of page 940, and I've got it written right here in red in my Bible, turn to 1001. Turn over there. There's Romans 3.23. Do the same thing with the rest of the passages we've talked about. You know, when I was a brand new believer in Christ, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know generations from revolutions or anything in between. I, I, I didn't. And my pastor knew that. But he knew I knew page numbers. So he took that little Gideon New Testament that he gave me, and in the front page, he wrote down, turn to page so-and-so, and he had underlined John 3.16. And at the top of that page, he had turned to page so-and-so, and, and he took me through the plan of salvation. Even on the last page of my Bible, wrote out a simple little prayer, and he gave that to me, and he said, son, this is all you need. Go tell all your friends. Now, see, I didn't have any more sense than to obey my pastor. Y'all have learned you don't have to obey your pastor, but I didn't know that then, see. And so I did what my pastor asked me to do. And every time I had opportunity to talk with somebody and start talking about Jesus and the difference he was making in my life day by day, I would pull out that Gideon New Testament. I would turn to that first page and I would share the gospel with them. Some of them thought I was crazy, yeah. But quite a few of them came to faith in Christ. Some of them are also pastors and missionaries today. Look, when you start seeing people with the eyes of Jesus, and your heart's moved with compassion for them, and you're praying, God, give me opportunities to share, at least with these people, maybe others, but at least with these people. Open their hearts to receive the gospel. And when the time is right, and God says, okay, now go! Now, when he tells you that, he, the timing is set. You saw how perfectly the timing was there with Philip. The timing is right, so when he moves in your heart. Now, go and share. It's because something's going on in that person's life that's made them. The time is right. Now's the time that they can hear the gospel and to receive it. So listen to that prompting of Holy Spirit. Be ready always to share the gospel. Now, for some of you, you don't carry a Bible around with you, but most of you carry a smartphone. You may not really know much about more, how to use it more than dialing the number, but you carry one, okay? So get a nine-year-old to help you. Go to the app store and download the Bible app, okay? I have it on my phone on all of my devices. Uh, as a matter of fact, next service I'll have it up here reading the Scripture. Uh, download the Bible app. It's, it's got some wonderful devotional things in there. But right there, you can record these verses and have them right there on your smartphone. Say, so, well, Brother Fred, I don't really know how to communicate this the way you do. All right? Go to the app store and do a search for the three circles. Three circles. Can you remember that? Write it down. Three circles. This is produced by our North American Mission Board. Fabulous little tool. And it has some artwork on it. 
And it shares the basic gospel presentation that I just shared. And you can just kind of flip through and read it, flip to the next page, read it, flip to the next page and read it. It's like having a track on your phone. And that one's wonderful. That's my favorite. There's another one that's, that's real good too. Look up six words. This is another app. Very graphic and beautifully done. I, I really enjoy it. I just like the simplicity of three circles. And there, there are others. Here, you carry that phone with you. Nigh on to everywhere you go. So why not put on it the clear plan of salvation that you can have at your fingertips just like this? If you, if you don't have a Bible with you, you've usually got your cell phone with you. Have the app right there or have the verses prepared. Now, we have tracks here at the church. You can still carry wonderful, good old-fashioned paper tracks. People are getting now to where when you offer something of paper, they're not going to do this to you. You know, they're getting to where they might receive it from you again. But that's, that's okay. Here's the point. The greatest calling you have on your life is to share the gospel of Christ with somebody else. Many of you have done that. Many, many, many times. Some of you have not done it the first time yet. It's time to begin. So what has our prayer been week after week after week? Our prayer has just simply been, God, we want to see through your eyes. We want to see people that are lost and recognize that and then have our heart moved within us that, that we just can't, we can't be at rest knowing that they may have an eternity apart from you. God, give us the eyes and heart and then let us start praying for individuals. Praying for people that they would come to faith in you as Savior and Lord. And now, Father, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. I want to know the basic gospel to where I can share it with someone else. Now, next week, Derek's going to share with you how to prepare your story and have your story of your own salvation experience ready as well. These two bullets in your gun are so important. But right now, I want us to take time. You got this? Pull this out of your Bible, okay? I want you to hold it in your hand. If you hadn't got one, don't you go home without one of these today. Don't you make me have to run you down and put one in your hand. Okay, you get you one before you leave. There at our exits, all our exits, our, our deacons or greeters will help you with this too. All right. Hold it right here. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, I'm beginning to see with your eyes. I'm beginning to feel with your heart. And my heart is breaking for the lost men and women I encounter every week. Some of the names are on this card. Holy Spirit, I ask you now in Jesus' name to go be working in their lives. You were working in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch long before he came to faith in you. He was searching. And some of these people are searching. They're searching for happiness. They're searching for hope. 
They're searching for something real. God, my heart's breaking along with yours that they don't know you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll open their heart. You'll open their mind to receive from somebody the gospel. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll raise up someone to talk to them. I'm, I'm volunteering right now. I'm a little scared, and you know me. I'm a little scared, but I'm volunteering right now. God, you've been breaking my heart, and I'm praying for you to make their heart open. Raise up me or somebody else to go share the gospel with these folks, that they can come to faith in Jesus like I have. And I make this prayer because it's consistent with your will. And I know it's consistent with your heart. And so I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, put that back in your Bible. You take it out every time you have your devotions, every time you have your prayer time, but you're going to bring it back with you to church. And now the question is, what's God moving in your life? What's he saying to you right now? Maybe, maybe during this last year of COVID and all the rest of this, you've been so sequestered that you really haven't been thinking the way we were before about looking for and longing for people who do not know you and an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. Maybe this is a time you want to just commit yourself afresh and anew. God, I want to be on board. I want to be on part of what you're doing here in our church family. And we're seeing it, by the way. We're seeing it all over our campus all week long, how God is answering our prayers. And, and those that we're praying for are turning to faith in Him. Our next service, we'll see a couple more people making their public profession of faith in Christ that we know about. So maybe, maybe you want to take the opportunity today and come forward and just say, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want you to be the boss in my life. If you do, I'm going to ask you to come. Just sit on this front row. And Derek or Eric will be by there to talk with you. Maybe you're already a believer in Christ, but you've never followed him in believer's baptism. Come on down. Be seated right here. and They'll come by and talk to you about that. Maybe already you've got burdens on your heart for people you'd like to see come to faith in Christ. Maybe you want to come to the altar and just kneel here and pray and lift them before the Lord. Maybe you want to join our fellowship. You want to make this your church home where you can put down roots and we can be a family and grow together. Come be seated right here. Derek or Eric will be right by. But it's time to do business with God. Father, right now we ask you to move mightily in our midst. We want to be faithful to your word and faithful, Holy Spirit, to your calling in our life right now. Our answer is yes. Call us to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand?